2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We'll stop there for now. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice today that we have a Savior, that we can know that we're saved, not in an arrogant, uh, trusting, boasting way, but in a humble, understanding what Jesus did for us way, that we can know that our sins are washed and that we will not face the condemnation that we rightly deserve. Father, I pray for people that are not saved, people that have not braced that term or understood the Bible's teaching on it. I pray that they would seek out uh, to learn, uh, first of all, that they can know that they have eternal life, that they can know they are saved without being arrogant, uh, once they understand the gospel. And I pray, Father, that many today and, and in the years, the weeks ahead, should Jesus tarry, that they would come to understand what it means to be saved and they would have their sins forgiven. And Father, I pray that you'd bless your people today. Those of us that are saved uh, have every reason to be courageous, to be encouraged. And I pray that you would cause us today to rejoice in our salvation and to take heed to your command to be strong and of a good courage. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Down at that hymn under the bottom, it says Ron Hamilton, 1952, and we can put 1923 sadly in there. When I sing that song, I, I think of, um, many of you met Ray Paget. I think, he, was it last year he preached for me? A very, very precious friend of mine. And uh, his daughter, who was just a little girl, Amy at the time uh, of our wedding back in 1986, she sang at our reception this song. In a little child's voice, it was just, I still, when I sing it, I, I can still hear Amy's voice. And Amy is now a pastor's wife. And um, what a blessing the, the Paget family has been to us. All right, thank you for being here today. You know, we were blessed. I was thinking uh, in Sunday school, Charlie shared something at the end as we were singing that. Uh, as far as he bore our sins on Calvary, we just sang that. And uh, Charlie was sharing... Um, about Hatier, and that she, there was a picture of Jesus with the, um, the nail prints, and she said, you know, Jesus has boo-boos. And, um, and, and it just, it's just that melt your heart. And, and Mr. Noble said, yes, Hatier, and he's going he's gonna to go to heaven with those boo-boos, and we're going to see those boo-boos. And I just love that. That's, I don't know if you, when you were here, did that melt your heart? That melted my heart. I appreciated Charlie sharing that. All right, let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, talk about courage. We are going to talk about courage and uh, conclude uh, what I began a couple uh, a while ago because we, remember we had the ho- uh, holiday break, you know, good uh, Psalm, Palm Sunday, and, and then Easter. But um, actually, you know what? Keep your place here. We're going to come back to Second Timothy. I want you to go back to the Old Testament to Joshua chapter one. That's where kind of this all began. Um, the idea of to be strong and of a good courage is a theme that is 
in, just in Joshua four times. In the Joshua chapter 1. In fact, look at it. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, now we have Moses is encouraging Joshua. He is encouraging Joshua to be strong and of a good courage because he is going out of the way. Actually, what we read here in Joshua chapter 1 is something that God told Moses to do. In fact, I'm going to give you these verses already. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy is the book right before Joshua. And God is basically breaking the news to Moses. You can't go into the promised land. Uh, that had to be devastating to, to Moses. That was his, you know, talk about expectations. But because he did not sanctify the Lord before the people at the rock, he lost his temper. He ruined his opportunity. Uh, and now Joshua was going to take over for him. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 38, as God breaks that news to Moses, he says this, But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. And then, then God says to Moses, Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it, the promised land. And so he's been given this news, but he's commanded now I want you to go and encourage Joshua. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 28, again, Moses speaking, or God speaking to Moses, and he repeats what he said. He said, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. That's key. This challenge about courage is all about what Moses did to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He encouraged him. He strengthened him. For he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. Now, Joshua chapter 1, Moses is following through with that. He's obeying the Lord. And now we find that Moses is, or excuse me, yet Moses is encouraging Joshua. And this is what he says, Joshua 1 and verse 6. We're just getting in the middle of it. We want to get to the key, key point. Moses says to Joshua, Be strong and of a good courage. What is he doing? He is encouraging and strengthening Joshua. Verse 9. Uh, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And then in verse 18, the same chapter, he repeats, be strong, and of a good courage. So twice, God tells Moses, I want you to encourage him. I want you to strengthen him. And this is Moses doing that. Now I believe, there is New Testament precedent. I believe there's actually two passages at least, even more, but two primarily where we have a New Testament version of that. Not the same wording, but the same spirit where God is encouraging us and challenging us to be encouraged and to encourage one another. But let's back up first. 
as we look. In fact, here's the three points we're going to look at today. Briefly, the Old Testament command to be of good courage. And then we're going to look at the New Testament command to do the same. And then we're going to look at some examples of those who obeyed this. And then, hopefully, you and I will go and do likewise. Hopefully, you and I will go and and be an encouragement to one another. Be an encouragement to others. So what is it, again, what does he mean? Just to kind of summarize the last couple weeks. Remember, the word courage, we traced it all the way back to um, when it first became a word. And remember, the, the first three definitions of courage are now obsolete, but they give us the idea of how this word was, was started. Uh, you remember, definition number one, it is the heart as the seat of feeling or thought. So it's the disposition. So it's, it's, it starts internally. Courage has to do with our thinking, where our mind is at. Number two, what is in one's minds or thoughts? What one is thinking or intending. And then two other synonyms of the word courage as it was first used. Intention, purpose. Now that's also obsolete. But remember when when the Bible says in Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. That's, that's That's the key. That's the heart of courage. It's what we determine in our heart. What we're intending to do. That's where courage starts. It's resolve. It's when you and I in our minds say, you know what? I am going to do right. That's the very beginning of courage. Now, the third definition of courage, which I haven't shared yet, is just spirit, liveliness, vigor, or energy. I preached a message a while back on energy. And that's, it all goes back to this idea of courage, that it starts internally. And now here's the first definition that is no longer obsolete. This is the way we use it right now. It is the quality of mind which shows itself in facing danger without fear or shrinking. It shows itself. It doesn't say you're not scared to death. We just went to Gettysburg yesterday. Uh, and, and, you know, I just I, we were thinking of and reading all these stories can you imagine, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but these, these, these soldiers, tens of thousands of men, must have been scared to death. Many of them would die, be slaughtered on that field. Talk about courage. So it's not that they didn't experience fear, but they showed themselves. Uh, it's the quality of mind which shows itself in facing danger without fear. Many of those men showed themselves courageous and then they died and then under so under this number four the fourth term of how courage is used today there's like a b c d e uh there's what's that five five other like definitions and the very last one so it's four e uh is it's used as an exclamation um take courage or here's the other word that's used in the dictionary cheer up so, you know, when, you, when you're trying to... Now, by the way, last week I said I, I was on a campaign to make the word courage uh, now a verb like it used to be in the good old days. I, I wasn't saying that I'm really on a campaign to do that. Because it's already a word. It's already a verb. Not courage, but encourage. And that's, that's where I'm heading with this. 
That's what courage is all about. And so, really, again, what is courage? Take courage. Cheer up. You think about it. When you encourage someone, you're basically trying to cheer them up. You're trying to tell them, be strong. Not not in a humanistic, hey, you can do it. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But rather encouraging God's people. Be encouraged. Be strong. That's... That's to encourage one another. Cheer up. You ever need someone to come along and cheer you up? Encourage you? That's the idea. There's a man tells a story of, uh, he was a businessman for many years. This, this guy that uh, was used to, you know, going in a suit and tie in the cushy office. And, and he lost his job after many years. And uh, he had to pay the bills. So he got a, a got a job. The only thing available was as a, what's called a hod carrier, which uh, is a it, it's a, the, the the term for basically uh, in construction somebody that fetches stuff. You know, the one that brings the bricks, brings the stone, brings the cement. That's you know, go go get this, go get that. Pretty pretty low, pretty menial, pretty humbling. Uh, but he ended up doing that just to make ends meet. And uh, it, the article that he talks about, he was suddenly plunged into a drastically different world. Instead of going to an office each day, he was hauling loads of concrete block up to the fifth level of a construction site. Gone was the piped-in music in the corridors. Now he had to endure blaring transistors. That's maybe a little dated, maybe. Um, Any girl who walked by was subject to rude remarks and whistles. Profanity shot through the air, especially from the foreman, whose primary tactics were whining and intimidation. And in fact, you know, he made, this guy made a mistake early on because he had no idea what he was doing. And for the next three weeks, uh, he was mocked for that. And he had just had it. He was fed up. He didn't even last. It was towards the end of the third week that he was there. And he determined, he said, you know what? He went into work so down, so discouraged. He said, you know what? When break comes mid-morning, I'm done. I'm done this thing. And he starts working, and he got up enough courage to say, all right, I'm, I'll, I'll hang it through till lunch. But when lunch comes, I'm quitting. And he determined he was going to quit. He just, he'd had it. He was so discouraged, so frustrated. And right before noon, the foreman went around with the paychecks. And the foreman shared, that for the very first time, made a civil comment to him. As he handed him the check, he said, um, hey, there's a girl in the office that knows you. And he said, who's that? He mentioned her name, and, and this guy knew her from church. She had worked in the nursery with his kids sometime. And, uh, and so he, here he is before lunch. He's determined he's done. This is it. Opens up the check, and there's a little handwritten note in the check. And it quotes from Corinthians, and it says, when one member of the body suffers all the members suffer with it. I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you these days. And he sat there, just almost jaw dropped, just looked at the note staring at it. He was astonished. God's timing, this little note, someone he didn't even know, someone he knew, but he didn't even know she worked for the company. That little note of encouragement gave him the strength to not quit at noon, but to stick it out, which he did. 
So what brought someone from the point of total despair, ready to throw in the towel, to all of a sudden finding the strength to endure? Encouragement. Somebody encouraged him. Just a little note. Today, maybe just a little text. Just just a word spoken of encouragement. You see, folks, that's something that should be normal for us. We should be people that are always looking to encourage one another because, folks, the body of Christ needs massive encouragement, does it not? I, I mean, does, is there anyone here that says, nope, I don't, I don't know, I'm just self-encouraged. I'm just perpetually encouraged. We all need encouragement, don't we? So then let's give it to others. So let's look at, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6 now. Uh, two passages, in fact, let me, while you're turning to Ephesians 6, I'm going to read to you what our, our scripture verse of the day was, which was the other New Testament challenge, which I'm convinced, these two New Testament verses, Ephesians 6.10 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, are the New Testament version of Joshua chapter 1. Of, of Moses encouraging and strengthening Joshua. I believe they're virtually the same exhortation, just worded differently. Here's 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong and of a good courage. And now Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And by the way, this is written in the tense, and the same with Second Timothy 2 and verse 1. This is written in the tense that is the passive, so it would be, the idea is be strengthened. Allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord and the power of His might. This is New Testament. Same thing as Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and of a good courage. This is the New Testament encouragement from Almighty God to be strong. And I want to remind you that this is not a <clears throat> pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps, the power of positive thinking. I know that uh, you know Norman Vincent Peale and the smiling preacher, I forget his name, they would, you know, they would maybe say that. But folks, this is telling us, both of these statements are telling us that our strength comes from God. Listen to Ephesians 3.16. Paul says that he, that's God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's the challenge, to be encouraged, to be encouraged. Again, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Anything that God wants you to do, as far as obedience to him, as far as pleasing him, as far as resisting temptation, as far as being what God wants you to be, 
It is all only going to be accomplished through His supply and His grace. And, and kind of the flip side of that is, we need to make sure that we don't nullify or cut off that source of supply. In fact, in Ephesians 4.30, just the next chapter after Ephesians 3.16, Paul says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed. So when we grieve the Spirit of God, it's like we are refusing to be strong and of a good courage. When we resist the Holy Spirit, when we stop walking in the Spirit, guess what we lose? Strength, encouragement, courage. We miss it all. We lose it all. I remind you, Paul said this. Remember when Paul was at his lowest point and he had a thorn in the flesh? It was something very weak and he just, his first thought is, like many of us, uh, Lord, get me out of this mess. Take this scenario away from me. Please make things better. Is that basically sometimes our prayers? Make things better, Lord. Please make things better quick. And Paul was basically saying that. And God's answer was um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know what what that means he said? No. We don't want to hear that. But this is what Paul needed to hear. My grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul then changed his tune. Or God says, for my strength is... My strength, God's strength, is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul changes his tune all of a sudden, and he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what he's saying? All right, Lord, I get it. You you don't want this to be changed, but you want to strengthen me. You want me to be encouraged. And he supplies the strength. Whatever you're going through, Christian, whatever difficulty you're facing, please understand, God is commanding us in that scenario, be encouraged. Don't quit. Be strong. Be encouraged. Be cheer up. Remember the dictionary, that number E for E? Cheer up. Now, by the way, and I submit to you, we'll, we'll probably wrap things up going back to that proverb I shared twice that started this off, but uh, I want to remind you that to cheer up, to tell someone to cheer up that does not know Jesus Christ, if you go up to someone and say, hey, cheer up, and they're not saved, the only proper thing that would follow that is a presentation of the gospel. Because that's, you know, hey, cheer up. Because Jesus Christ died for you. I mean, that's the only thing that could proper... Someone that is without Christ, to say, just cheer up, you know, keep a stiff upper lip, things will work out. The, 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 really, the only way you can encourage someone that's not, not saved, that doesn't have the Spirit of God, the only way you can encourage them and cheer them up is somehow pointing them to Christ. But for the believer, we can encourage one another, cheer up. Because we're saved. We have the power of God available to us. We have every reason, no matter what the challenge is. I appreciate Ron Hamilton thinking of him. Loses his eye to cancer. And God directs him to Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. What possible good could come from, from losing an eye to cancer? 
he became Patch the Pirate. You know, enough said. God used him so mightily, and God, that guy was a machine in putting out music. Every year he had a children's adventure with some of the most precious songs. Um, just, just I could reminisce for a while. We're not going to go in that direction. Thinking of my daughter holding her shoes. You remember that one, Brielle? Put on your running shoes. Um, but you know what? Just praise God. God, he, his comfort in that is, you know what? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to lose my eye to cancer. He could have just said, I'm done. What kind of God would allow me to lose my eye? Forget it, I quit. I don't want to serve a God like that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and he did. You and I are no different, folks. We may not lose an eye to cancer, but we certainly have our challenges, don't we? We certainly do. And maybe none so much as Job. Job learned to rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You and I can, we can cheer up if we're saved. We have every reason to cheer up. And now let's look at some examples here as we close. I already mentioned Deuteronomy. In fact, uh, I just wanted, this is what ties it in. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 38. Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 28. God tells Moses at a time of great disappointment, Moses, you're not going to the promised land. And Moses could have just sat there and wept. And he could have made it all about himself. What? You're taking away that privilege? What? But God still had work for him. And God said, okay, now Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to encourage and strengthen Joshua. And he said that twice. And you know what? What did Moses do? The very next book, Joshua chapter 1, he turns to Joshua and he's saying, basically, I'm going to pass the torch to you. Be strong and have a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. He is saying, be encouraged. Are you encouraged? I want you to take your Bibles now and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. The Old Testament uses two phrases that have the word courage in it, several places. First is the word discouraged. You know, the heart of the people gets much discouraged. In fact, it's, it's, um, no, it's not in this verse, but it's in many others where the, the soul of the people was discouraged because of the way. Circumstances got tough. Isn't that when you and I tend to get discouraged? Things are... You know, the blessings aren't flowing. In fact, the challenges are flowing. And that's when we are tempted to be discouraged, to lose strength, to faint and be discouraged. Look at 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. By the way, the other word is to, it's discourage. The other word is to encourage. And the title of today's message is, Be Encouraged. Look at Deuteronomy, excuse me, 1 Samuel 30. Is that what I told you? Oh, good. Amazing. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. Why? For the people spake of stoning him. Well, that's, can you imagine that? People, all your, your co-workers are like wanting you, you know, they're not just wanting your job you know, for you to be fired. They're, they're wanting you to be stoned. They want to kill you. I'd say that's a pretty good reason to be distressed. 
David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because, why? Because all the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. By the way, just to give you context, the first few verses, 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Uh, in fact, let me just read it. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amal- that's where all, his, all their loved ones in the army were stationed at Ziklag. That's where all their loved ones were, all their possessions. And the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went their way. Verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. So then the next verse is, The people spoke of stoning him because and you know he was distressed. It was because of the way things were bad. He was, talk about discouraged. Talk about a lack of strength. David wanted to just give up. But I love this verse. Look at what it says. Again, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because of all all the people were grieved or was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. But, now we have the flip side of this in Numbers. Remember the 12 spies? Went to spy out the land. And the the 10 that gave the bad report, they said, they acknowledged, yeah, yeah, sure, it's it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Here's the fruit of it. But, and remember, often when we say that, it's like we're canceling out or we're minimizing what's first. I've used this example because the first one that comes to my mind. If someone says, now, I don't like to gossip, but what's going to come What's going to come after that, right? You're nullifying it. Well, here they're saying, you know, I know we have reason to be, or in, in numbers they're saying, you know, I know we have every reason to be encouraged, but, and they're going to bring out the negative. Well, here it's the opposite. Here David and all the, David's distressed, the people are, people are discouraged, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Some translations have he strengthened himself. It's the same thing. That's what they're doing. That's what David is doing. David encouraged himself. Did he give himself a pep talk by saying, Come on, David, you're a man. You can do this. You got what it takes. Internal fortitude. He strengthened himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. When Paul told Timothy, Be strong and of a good courage. He was saying, allow yourself to be strengthened in the power of his might. What a blessing that you and I have this challenge in the New Testament for us to be encouraged. You know, God wants you, if you are a believer, be encouraged. Now, if you're not a believer, be encouraged. Jesus died for you. If you are a believer, oh, so many things to be encouraged about. Read the story of a lady by the name of Rosina Hernandez. She, um, when she was young, she went to a music concert. And uh, it was one of those things in the wild days of her youth. Uh, during this concert, uh, they, she saw someone within vicinity of her 
uh, getting assaulted by a group of other teens. And um, just like so many bystanders in so many situations, she didn't want to get involved. And there's like six or seven people beating up on this kid, and her and her friends uh, just didn't want to get involved. They kind of watched what happened. And uh, then she went home after the concert, and she read in the newspaper that that young man died. And for, for decades, that tormented her. And she vowed, because she just had so much guilt from that, she said, I am never going to let that happen again. So one day as an adult, she's driving her car in a, on a rainy day, and all of a sudden the car ahead of her skidded and plunged into the Biscayne Bay. The, uh, the, the car landed head, you know, head up, started to sink. And uh, she had been so, for decades, preparing herself that if she saw someone in distress ever again, she would not hesitate. And she didn't. She got out of her car, jumped in the water, tried to break the window as this car began to sink. Other bystanders started getting on the side and pulling over when they saw what happened. And uh, she, in frustration, saw these men just standing there and she screamed at them vehemently, you come in here and help? And uh, finally, after just being reluctant, you know, that old bystander, uh, I don't want to get involved, uh, because they saw this woman, she had jumped in to save this person. That inspired them. And so several men jumped in and they were able to pull that person out of that car just in the nick of time as it, as it sank. But, you know, she couldn't have done it alone. And those other people that were standing by the side maybe never would have done it if they had not been encouraged by this one leader who exhorted them to take courage, to be courageous. Now let's close. Go to, go to Proverbs chapter 18. I want to close with a verse that started this all. Because I want you to be encouraged. And it's not just that I want it. If you're a born-again believer, God wants you to be encouraged. God wants you to have strength for whatever is ahead. And each one of us have our various daunting tasks that, if allowed, could cause us to faint. And God is saying, be of good courage. Be strong. Be encouraged. Now let's go back. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. You may remember we began with this. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. There is, and I shared some quotes initially, that the uh, there's some leaning in this verse to talk about just the makeup of man, the way God makes man. Uh, the fortitude of the human being is that when our spirit is strong, the human spirit. In fact, you'll hear people talk about um, the human spirit, and it's not always in a, in a humanistic way. Uh, but it's amazing what some people have endured. I think of the Holocaust. I think of how many, uh, all the stories of the, so many Jewish people that faced their death and so many things they went through. I think of Corey Ten Boom, her sister Betsy. Uh, you know, I think of these things. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? In other words, if, if somebody... If, and let me, so let me read a few more quotes as we wrap this up. Because 
the, the challenge to be encouraged is not ju- it's not a humanistic challenge. It is a challenge to those who have a source of supply in God's grace. So one co- another commentator, I haven't shared these quotes, about this verse, Proverbs 18, 14. Uh, this, um, one old te- famous Old Testament commentator, two of them, they said this, But is not God the Most High, the lifter up, and the bearer of the human spirit that has been crushed and broken? The answer is, this is their take on Proverbs 18, 14, the manly spirit, that's the idea. In fact, when Paul says, quit you like men, be, he's, he's telling them to be strong. Be strong and of good courage. So the manly spirit is represented as strong in God. The discouraged spirit, which is 14, verse 14, verse B, as not drawing from God the strength and support he ought to. If the spirit is borne down to powerless and helpless passivity, then within the sphere of the human personality, there is no other sustaining power that can supply it, its place. When you see a Christian, just give up. Or, in fact, another, another commentator, Charles Ellicott, made this, this, this comment, very profound. He said of this verse, That is one properly so-called who draws his strength from God. The spirit of a man will sustain his firmity, infirmity, a wounded spirit who can, who can bear So he's saying the person who draws his strength from God will sustain his infirmity, help him to bear up against trouble. But a wounded spirit, and he says, not one crushed with a sense of sin, for that God will lift up. And he gives a couple verses for that. But that which retires itself and, or that which entires itself, retires itself and nurses its griefs. Who can bear it? That's the idea when, when somebody is wounded, the wounded spirit, they're just nursing their griefs. They're just bitter. They're just, they've given up. They've already waved the flag. Who can bear that? But the spirit of a man, someone that's tapping into the strength of God and God's grace, that will sustain anything. What an amazing thing. That our God supplies our needs. You know, as a pastor, and I'm going to share my heart with you. Do not condemn me for this. Every one of us have different challenges. And if you were a pastor, and, and a lot of pastors I know, we have certain times of the week that are more challenging than other times. Sunday nights into Mondays are biggest challenge. I have many a pastor... That is said to me, and I've heard many preachers, that on Sunday night they, they wrote their resignation letter. <laughs> and I also know a lot of pastors that take, take Monday, you know, pastors, we have a day off in the week, and uh, mine's Fridays, if I follow my pastor, I appreciate that pattern. A lot of pastors take Monday off because they're so depressed. And they just, you know, there's so many expectations. And, you know, when you're a pastor, it's amazing, you know, you know how the... the um, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but not, that's not the verse I'm thinking of. Um, criticisms, you know. As a pastor, if you're going to minister to everyone, sometimes people will say things that are hurtful. But what are you going to do? As a pastor, you're not going to sit there and break down. You know, somebody, you're greeting someone as they're leaving the church and they say something that's sharp and it hurts you. What are you going <laughs> to You know, you're, you're not going to be able to minister to anyone after that. So, you know, you keep... 
You keep the, you know, you put the smiling face on and you're strong because there's other people to minister to you or that you need to minister to. It's not all about us and it's not all about one person. So you've got to be strong. But then Sunday night, Sunday night, and I'm still, you pray for me for this because that's when the words sometimes that people say just come back or the expectations of, Man, I was hoping to have a good turnout this Sunday night, or I poured myself into this message and five people came, or whatever it is. You know, that's, that's when I have my fainting fits. And, um, but that's when I realize that. I have a command from God as a pastor to be encouraged. Because sometimes the things that affect pastors, you know, the reason that so many pastors take Monday off, and by the way, to me, that's like, why would you do that? If Monday's your biggest challenge, it's like, okay, I'm just going to stay in bed Monday and just cry. You know, how's that going to encourage you? How's that going to help you? By the way, if you're licking your wounds, remember that. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a, a wounded spirit, who can bear? We can't afford to get bitter and hurt and nurse grudges. We need to put that stuff behind us. And we need to be encouraged. Because Christ died for us. Christ was buried and rose again for us. Christ is coming again for us. And those of us that are saved, we have all the reason to be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help this dear flock and this preacher Uh, to be encouraged. Uh, Father, we know the devil wants to um, discourage us. We know that the devil, with his fiery darts, wants to wound us and and cause us to have uh, just an inward focus where we just implode. And Lord, there's so many Christians that are imploding uh, that, that they can't afford it. Father, help us to be strong and have a good courage. Help us to be encouraged. And Father, for those that aren't saved, help them to be encouraged that Jesus Christ died for them, shed His blood so they could be saved and have eternal life and have all the promises of God. So Father, help us, whatever situation we are in, not to be in distress because of the way, but to be encouraged because of all that we have in Jesus Christ. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.